0: Good morning, church. That sounds pretty good for a half of a congregation, don't you think? (laughs) Today is a good day to crawl up on the couch, watch a good movie, or take a good long nap, and have some vegetable soup. I fixed some yesterday, and that's what I plan on doing after about a 12-hour elders meeting, they say. (laughs) That's just a short one, yeah. (laughs) God is good. Amen? It is so good to see you. I'm glad you braved the uh, cold for today. I wonder how many will get up in the morning and go to work. But nonetheless, um, we're thankful that you are here. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much. I know we do have a couple of visitors today. Thankful for your presence as well. We pray that you've been blessed already. We'll continue to be so in and throughout the message and even afterwards, maybe an encouraging word from someone. But um uh, before I get started, just like many of you have asked about our, our grandson Langston over the past several weeks. As you know, he's been uh, up uh, in training for the Navy, and uh, apparently he became sick last week, and um, he's not able to finish his processing at this time, and perhaps in the future he can. So uh, he will be returning home in a couple of weeks. takes a little while to process through that, all of those things. But Don and I appreciate your prayers and concerns uh, for all of that, his, he continues on his journey. So thank you so much. But in our journeys together of life, in our journeys together in life, we will find ourselves, uh, no doubt, in struggles at times. We find ourselves in the struggles of the physical nature, the mental aspect of life, and also the spiritual walk, walk of life. I don't know one single person that ever has walked the journey that hasn't had a struggle in in all of those areas, actually. Uh, Perhaps some of you are dealing with that even in your spiritual life right now or maybe the physical aspect of things in your life as well. Um, So today what I want to do as we continue our series on our journey together, I want us to talk about, if you will, uh, about preparation. Not perspiration, but preparation. But there could be some perspiration in all of this as well because there is some things that we need to do in our journey, in our walk uh, with God and through that process, God has something prepared for us. Now, in all of this, the question I think comes down to today would be is, what are you preparing for in life? What are you preparing for in life? As a, Christ, uh, as a minister of the gospel, I'm required to teach the gospel in its simplicity that Jesus saves. Amen? And what I try to do in my message is try to get across to those that may not have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a way for them to see that Jesus saves and offers salvation to them as well. But in the same return as the minister of the gospel, I know that most of the people that I visit with or talk with on an occasion such as this, that you're already a Christian. We're on our journey together. And it is my responsibility to teach God's Word, encourage each other, lift each other up, show the directions in which God would have us to go so that we might make some some adjustments along the way so we can stay on that path, so we can serve God and give Him the glory in that process. So that's what I try to do in the messages, and that's what I'm going to try to deliver today, even through this preparation as we prepare for what it is that we say we want. Last week, we discovered on our journey, to begin our journey, we have to decide if you're going to take a trip, where it is that you want to go and why you want to go there. We discovered all of us want to go to heaven when it's all over. Give me an amen. And so in that process, we want to go to heaven and we want to go there. Why? Is because God is there and it's going to be a perfect place because Christ has prepared it for us. So the first thing you need to know is that heaven is real. And heaven has been prepared for us. And in that process, Jesus made that statement in John chapter 14. In my Father's house and many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare that place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And the church should say, Amen there's where our hope lies is that there's something better than this world for us to get to in the end amen amen but in that and having known that and he's prepared for us the question is are we preparing for it we have to prepare ourselves for heaven just like we prepare ourselves for everything else in this life we need to prepare ourselves for heaven as well now what are you preparing for in life comes back to that question again. Just about every household in America goes through this ritual probably Monday through Friday at least, especially if you have children. And some would call it it is the are you ready yet ritual that we go through. You've been there? In the morning, we get up and everything's going okay. And the parent comes back and simply says, are you ready yet? And it rings throughout the house to all that can hear. And the responses are, oh, they're amazing, aren't they? Are you ready yet? Not yet. I got to brush my teeth. Well, hurry up. We're going to be late. I'm not finished with my breakfast. You're not finished with your breakfast. I thought you were having a Pop-Tart. I hate those kind of Pop-Tarts you got. I'm making some oatmeal. You don't have time for oatmeal. You following me a long way? I can't find my shoes. Where are your shoes? If I knew where my shoes were, I'd find them, wouldn't I? Don't get smart with me, kid. They go through as it goes on. I can't find my backpack. Where is your backpack? I don't know where my backpack is. If I knew where it was, I wouldn't. Don't start that again. Homework, homework. I thought you said you didn't have any homework last night. Well, I can't find my backpack, so I can't do my homework, I guess. No, that's no excuse. I can't find my shoes. Where are your shoes? I don't know where I left them. I'm still lost. I don't know. Where's the keys? I don't know where the keys are. Good grief. Let's all get in the car. Where is Susie? I don't know. She's still brushing her teeth. How many teeth does she have? And it goes on, doesn't it? It goes all the way to the van. And he gets in the van and we're like, hey, okay, finally we got in the van. We We back out of the driveway and what happens then? We're on our way and someone says, I forgot something. And our morning start. Anybody been there? Yeah. For those of us that are grandparents and all our grandkids are away a little bit and we don't have to be around them all the time, we're like, whoo glad those days are over. When we go to Autumn's with her kids and stuff, it's hilarious in the mornings because that's exactly where I pulled that story from, okay? But it's fun. It's fun to be around. And when they all go out of the house, Don and I just smile at each other and say, man, God is good. <clears throat> Preparedness. Being prepared, we have to be prepared for something in our lives and everything in our lives. In fact, I don't think any of us are going to escape uh, uh, being prepared and trying to get ready for something until we leave this old world. Jesus says it is the utmost importance in our life is to be prepared. Did you know that? It is to be ready for something. It is that spiritual, it's that organized spiritually in our spiritual well-being, our spiritual life it is being prepared. He gives many stories throughout or many uh, sayings about being prepared throughout his ministry here on earth. And, and as he did that, one of the things that he shared was through a parable. And it's a parable of the ten virgins. And you probably know it there in Matthew chapter 25. And we'll get to that in just a minute. And now a parable. And some ask, what is a parable? When I used to teach out at Lawton Christian, I taught Bible out there for about 12 years. And just about every year, we would go through the parables. And why would we say we go through the parables? And why? what's the importance of that in our lives? Well, parables are taught by Jesus first. Parables are important. To pull it into a nutshell, what is a parable? A parable is something that is said by the Lord that connects to all generations, including mine. It means that it, it relates to me wherever I'm at. If I was 100 years ago, it would relate. 100 years from now, it will still relate with the person that reads God's word. Because that's God. He pulls that in. So when you read a parable, you need to look at it as though, what is it trying to teach me? Don't be thinking about the ten virgins here. Be thinking about in this story. Be thinking about which, where you're at in this story. Because I promise you, you are in this story somewhere in your life. We all are. See if you can find yourself this morning as we begin to read. At that time, the kingdom, Jesus says, of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So far, so good. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wives. Mm, not so good. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry came out, Here's the bridegroom, here's the bridegroom, come out, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. No, no, they replied, they may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were, while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went, went with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others came and said, Lord, 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 Lord. They said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, prepared, because you do not know the day or the hour. It connects. My friend, it connects with all of us in this room and all that might be listening today. They were all virgins, pure, wonderful. They all took their lamps, wonderful. They all slept while they waited, which is no problem. And they all went forth to meet the bridegroom, praise God. Yet there was one vital, essential thing missing between them. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Five of them prepared, five of them unprepared. And it wasn't because they couldn't afford it. Did you notice that? Go buy some oil. And they went to buy some oil. It wasn't that they couldn't afford it. It was that they just didn't get around to preparing for it. What does that say for us? Well, let me back up just a second and say that. So when I would talk to the students, I would simply say, in this story, you see three characters. You see Jesus, the bridegroom, and you see the wise and the unwise. And so in this story, you have to find yourself. You find yourself not as the character of Jesus, since none of us are Jesus. None of us are the bridegroom. So we have to be one or the other, the prepared or the unprepared. The question is, are you prepared? Well, to be prepared, what does that mean, to be prepared? Well, to be prepared, you have to set the stage. You first have to make sure that you're on the right track. If you want to go to the North Pole, you can't head south. So you have to be on the right track before you get to your destination. So those that want to go to heaven have to make sure that we're on the right track first. Because if you're on the wrong track, you can only get to the wrong destination. Are you following me? Okay, very good. That's a few anyway. Now, in this, maybe this will help. The photographer that was sent out to out west to cover the great forest fire out there to take some, uh, some pictures and things. When he arrived, it was so smoke laden that he couldn't, it hampered all of his shots. And so he called the headquarters and asked if they could have a plane ready at the local airport for him so he could fly over and take some photos. And they said, sure, no problem, we'll have one ready for you when you get to the airport. So he arrives at the airport and there on the runway is a plane already geared up and ready to go. He jumps out of his vehicle and runs up, jumps in the plane, shuts the door and says, let's go, let's go, get into the air quickly. So the pilot swung into, uh, you know, business, if you will, and he gets into the air. And then the photographer simply says, now, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the north side of the fire, and I want you to fly over four or five times real low. And the pilot said, well, why do you want me to do that? He said, well, I'm a photographer, and that's what photographers do. We take pictures, and I have to get pictures of these. There was a long pause, and the pilot said, you mean you're not the instructor? What is that saying there? Well, to me, it says this sometimes, I thought it was pretty funny, but anyway, sometimes we are so focused on having accomplished our own goals, our own agendas in life, our own tasks that we forget to stop and make sure that we're on the right track. In this case, the right plane. In fact, we forget to get oil for our journey. Do you have oil for your journey? It's a simple question. And you know what? You already know whether you do or not. It means, are you prepared for the journey? Are you prepared? Prepared for the trip. We want to make sure that you're prepared for the trip. And then once you say you're prepared for the trip, we got to make sure that we are packed appropriately for the trip. That's what you do when you go on a vacation. You make sure you're packing appropriately, correct? And then you have to analyze the cost of the trip. Those three things I want to touch on today real quick. All right, here we go. First of all, Jesus is the only way to heaven. All of us want to go to heaven. Give me an amen. So if we want to go to heaven, we got to find a way. And the way is Jesus and Him alone. Muhammad can't do it. and Buddha can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. Amen? And in that process, you need to know that. So I'm trying to help someone that believes something else, maybe there's another way. Because a lot of people want to tell you, they don't have a problem with Jesus being a way, but they have a problem with Him being the way, the only way. And so in that process, let me show you just a little bit in Scripture. And this will only come out of the book of John. So if you want more Scripture, be glad to give that to you. In John chapter 3, verse number 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, That whoever, you are a whoever, my friend. You are a whoever. Whoever what? Believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And those of us that are Christians say, that's pretty weak. We say, very good. And John 3, 36, he doesn't change. He says this, For God so loved, or excuse me, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath is still on him. They're unprepared. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Couldn't be clearer, could he? It's as clear as you can get. So according to just these few verses, if you want to arrive into heaven, and that's what we say, if you want to arrive in heaven to be with God, you must accept what God says is the only way. If not, you're not prepared. You can't get there. Question, have you prepared yourself by accepting Jesus? I want you to just analyze that just for a second. I know most of us in this room are saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could could you really honestly, listen, have you really prepared yourself by accepting Jesus? And thinking about what it is that He paid for you to have an opportunity to accept Him. If not, when do you plan to do that? But remember the five foolish versions. They were foolish because they waited too late and their fate was sealed. Couldn't change. Write it down. Unprepared hearts cannot receive what God offers. Can't happen for any of us. Now, if you have done that, give me an amen. He's accepted Jesus. Now watch. What happens then, what we have to do is we have to know that we have to pack appropriately for our journey you got to make sure you know what you're taking on a journey. So here we go. What you wear or what you pack is an indication of where you're going. Do you know that? What you wear or what you pack is an indication of where you're going. I can promise you that. If you're going to Mount Everest, you better make sure that you take the right things with you. You can't just throw gym shorts in the suitcase and simply say, I'm going to climb Mount Everest. Well, you might say, well, I'm going to be the first person to ever climb Mount Everest in my gym shorts. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be frozen all right. Yeah, but you ain't climbing Mount Everest. Now, on a day like today, you might want to go to Hawaii. Anybody? Amen. I'm ready to go. Who's buying a ticket? Anybody got their hand up? I didn't think so. I'm putting mine down quick too. If you want to go to Hawaii, you got to pack appropriately. You know, to pack shorts and probably a swimsuit because that's the way it is. But if you're going to go, as Christians, we need to know how we need to pack as well. You say, well, what do we need to pack? Well, I want to say this one more time. What you pack or what you wear is an indication of where you are going. What's in your suitcase? You know the commercial? What's in your wallet? You need to ask yourself the question is, what's in your suitcase? What's in your suitcase? You already know that, don't you? You already know what's there. Are there some things in your suitcase right now that you know that shouldn't be there on your way to heaven? You already know that, don't you? Are there some things that you need to put in there that aren't in there that you've just decided, I'm not going to take that on my journey? Think about that just for a minute as we go through this. So what are we to wear on our journey together? Well, you remember when your mom used to lay out your clothes for the next day, anybody? Anybody still get that done today? Some of you husbands, you get your clothes laid out by your wife. Now you're wearing this one with this tie. I asked my wife last night, would this tie be all right? She said, well, yes. And it was, uh, well, yes, that, well, anyway, I put it on anyway. Here we go. Watch this. God not only shows us this is how good God is. This is what you need to understand about. Our God is a good, good God. And on our journey, he wants to be a good, good God and show himself off to his children and to the world around them. He's going to, he wants to show us off to the world around us. And so our God is such a good, good God, he not only shows us the way to heaven, he shows us what we are to wear on our way to heaven. He does? Yes, he does. Let me give you just one verse right here, Galatians 3. And I love this verse as you watch this. So in Christ, Galatians chapter 3, for those of you that are just listening, Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27, the Scripture says there, So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Stop. This doesn't change anything that Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse number 16. For you believe, you shall have eternal life. You see it? So we become children through our faith, because without faith... You cannot please God. You can't come to God without faith in your life. Give me an amen. Now watch what happens next. Watch this. It says, for all of you who were baptized. Have you been baptized? Think about it. For all of you that were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. What's that saying? That's saying a lot, my friend. So you're going to have to get rid of some things because with Christ, you now have a new wardrobe. Isn't that wonderful? We're clothed with Christ. What does Christ wear? The good things. Lovely things. Things that are pure and right and noble. All of those good things. That's what Christ is. Give me an amen. And when we clothe ourselves with Christ, that is what we are to be displaying. Oh, look at this coat. Look at this coat of compassion that I have on. Look at this coat of joy that I have on. Look at this coat of just doing and being what God would have me to be. It displays who we're clothed with. A lot of Christians have a problem with that. This is where we get in trouble. Listen, don't pack unnecessary things. They only get in the way of your journey to heaven. All of us are guilty of that, I promise you. I know I have been. This is where we get in trouble in our journey. We reach into our suitcases, if you will. We reach into our suitcases and pull out something that we shouldn't have brought on the trip. Or we realize we didn't pack something that we should have packed for the trip. Do you see it? Don and I left Michigan one time. We were going to Kentucky. And um, we were going down there, I think it was for Christmas. I believe that's right. Well, I, I had to work that day, and we'd come home, and we're going to just rush, get in the car, throw stuff in, boom, before we had kids, you know? And um, and I, Donna was like, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? No, I'm rushing my teeth. No, I'm just kidding. And um, so, so we packed the suitcases the night before. We're all ready. We're all ready. We put them under the bed. And when I get home the next day, I jump into the shower real quick, change my clothes. We get in the car and we drive 500 miles to Kentucky and we get out of the car and we open the trunk and I said, where are the suitcases? We didn't pack appropriately. I think that happened to Phil Kennedy one time on a trip. Was that right? Mexico, they lost your luggage. I think that was pretty, I'll leave that one up to you. You can tell that one. All right. So in this, we have trouble because what we do is we often have things packed in our suitcases that we want to carry along that no one knows about. We'll just sneak it out when mom and dad's not looking or when my husband's not looking or when my wife's not looking. It'll be okay. This is just truth, is it not? Watch. Scripture talks to us a little bit here. And I want to kind of if you will, dissect this segment of verses here found in Romans chapter 13. The scripture says the day is near. It talks about the coming of Christ. It talks about what we should do in preparation of and all those things. So watch what it does. It shows it, it displays something there for us, what it is that we have, what it is that we need to be looking for, what it is we should get rid of and what we should have again. Watch how it works. And do this, understanding the present time. Stop. How I, this is how I study. When I do, I tell myself, "Stop. Think about that. In the present time, right now, there's time going on for you and me. You've t- you heard me talk about that in the last several weeks. There's time and there's eternity. Time is in eternity. Eternity is not in time. What is time? That's time. That's time. That's time, and you can't get it back. But listen to this. We all are connected to time. We just don't know how long. If you have a house gnat, you know a house gnat lives about three days, they say. If the house gnat, one house gnat says to the other house gnat, hey, you know, Uncle George, he lived five days. Yeah, I know, but Aunt Martha, she only lived about a day and a half. It's still time. It's just like us. All different time here on planet Earth. But know this about time. Time. All of us get in on time, and all of us get out of time, but none of us get out of eternity. That's right. Some people think this is just it. No, it's just not it. There's an eternity waiting for all of us. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Remember the ten virgins? They were sleeping, and what was announced? Get up, get up, he's coming. Get up. The Scripture tells us that Jesus is coming. We need to be ready. He's coming. One a day, He's coming. Just because it's been 2,000 years since He died on the cross does not mean that He's going to fail to come back. Jesus is coming. It may not be coming back to take us all home today, but it may be that He's coming back to take someone home today. Why? Because your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. I'm 61. I'll be 62 in a few months. And so I was baptized or I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 12 years old. So for the past 50 years, I've been on a journey, but my journey with God is close, or my destiny with God, heaven is much closer now than it was when I was 12 years old. The night is nearly over, he says. Why is that important? Well, you remember last week we talked about Revelations chapter 22 and it says there is no night there in heaven. There is no night there. You don't need lamps. You don't need the outside sun. Why? Because God is the light. Give me an amen. That's beautiful to know. There is no night there. Watch. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside. Here's the things you got to get rid of out of your suitcase. Let us put aside what? The deeds of darkness. Why darkness? Because darkness leads to what? It leads to something that we don't need in our lives. Darkness, we hide things. And put on the armor of light. Light reveals things. Now watch. Let us behave decently. I like that one. When I saw that one the other day, and I just paused for a minute. You remember when you were a kid growing up, or maybe now with some of you young folks that have children, small children, and they're going to go stay somewhere, or whatever, What do you tell them? Make sure you behave. You better behave. You ever hear that? Behave. Here the scripture says, "Behave decently. There's not a person in this room that doesn't know how to behave decently. Not one person. Do you know why? Because we have seen an undecent world. It's the truth? Now watch. So we're to to make sure that we behave decently. Love and compassion. Remember, clothes of Christ. show you that in a minute. As in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness. Carousing is just, if you will, to break it down in its lowest form probably is party, party, party. We're not talking a birthday party. My grandson, nine years old, this week, they had his birthday party yesterday. That's a birthday party. Hear the party, 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 as you know what we're talking about in our world today. And drunkenness. You see, drunkenness leads to debauchery. Scripture says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which means sin. And in that process, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It leads to good things in your life. So there's something we need to fill up on and something we need to take away in our lives. Not in sexual immorality. I'm going to pause there for a minute as well. Sexual immorality. It is rampant in our world today. Period. It's everywhere. It's flaunted everywhere. But listen closely. Spiritual immorality is something other than God created for it to be. God created it for a husband and a wife in complete intimacy with each other, and praise God for that. Anything else is perverted in the eyes of God and cannot be unperverted, if you will, no matter how many laws one might try to pass. can't happen. And he goes in debauchery. Debauchery means a person living in sin. We all sin, fall short of the glory of God. Romans, right? But debauchery means that I'm living in sin. I'm rolling in the mud. I know I'm rolling in the mud, and I don't care that I'm rolling in the mud. That's what it's getting at. Not in dissensions, that's dividing of, and the jealousies. Those are the things you got to take out of your suitcase. Have you taken them out? Have you honestly taken those things out? Now watch. Rather, clothe yourself, I love this, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. If you forget who you are clothed with, you will always try to gratify your flesh. That's how it starts. If you think of who you're clothed with, you will quickly turn from that if you remember that Jesus is with you. When you forget and try to hang Jesus on a peg somewhere, you'll forget and you'll try to gratify the flesh every time. They don't see, he doesn't see, I'm perfectly all right. So what do you need to take on your trip, you say? It's easy. Jesus. Jesus. If Jesus is not in the car with you, turn around and go back and pick him up. For Jesus is the one that said, remember, no one comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus isn't with you, your desired destination can never be reached. Can't be done. Can't be done. No matter how good you are. So heaven is real. It's been prepared. He tells us how to get there, what to wear to heaven, and now what the cost is to get to heaven. And this is the one where a lot of people just say, I ain't doing it. It's not worth it. You have to analyze the cost of the trip that you make. Those of you that are getting ready to go on vacation this summer, you're analyzing the cost. What's it going to cost us? Motels are going to be this much. Food's going to be this much. Entertainment's going to be this much. You know, all those things. And then you throw in a little bit extra for the things that you're not prepared for or things that will just come up. Is that correct? Sure it is. And then you say to your wife or your husband, you simply say, we can't make this trip. It costs too much. Or we better eat some ramen noodle for the next month or so so we can get enough so we can go and have more fun. And that's what some people do. You have to analyze the cost. Someone says, well, I thought you said it was free. Romans chapter 6, it is free. Wait a minute. Got to analyze the cost. There's a cost, but it's free. You're confusing. No, not confusing. Listen to this. It is free. It's a free gift from God. And once you realize, catch this, once you realize what it is that He has given you, you'll come to the realization that it hasn't cost you anything. Because the reward outweighs what you think the cost is. See, when you do something and it costs you something and you regret it, there's a difference. When you give your life to Christ and you give up your life for Christ, when you get the reward, you will never look back and say, boy, I sure regret doing that for the Lord. There's a big difference. There is a difference. How does that work? Well, I read this um, this past week. I, 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 I've had it for a while in my whatever, Good Stuff file. I call it a Good Stuff file. And I flip it open once in a while and take a look. And this is an author, this guy's name is Calvin Miller. Don't know him, don't know what his background is, don't know what his church background is, but this is what he wrote. So I'm not displaying just him, but his words that he says, I can eat fish and spit out the bones. Listen to what he says. His name's Calvin Miller. He points out that many Christians, not all, are only Christaholics and not disciples at all. Disciples are cross bearers, are they not? They seek Christ. Christaholics seek happiness only. Disciples dare to discipline themselves in the scripture, through the scripture, and then demands the place on themselves, lead them enjoying the happiness of their spiritual growth. Christaholics are escapists looking for the shortcut to nirvana. Like drug addicts, they are trying to bomb out of their depressing world in which they live. They, there is no such thing as an automatic joy. Christ is not a happiness capsule. He is the way to the Father. But the way to the Father is not a carnival ride in which we sit in and do nothing while we are whisked away through various spiritual sensations. When I read that, I, had to, I, I, I guarantee I read that at least ten times, just so I could read it fairly fluently. He also made a statement. He said, Jesus has never offered some kind of welfare program. That really caught my attention. I think that's what caught my attention in the whole thing. Jesus has never offered a welfare program. Although the gift of eternal life is free for anyone that chooses to ask John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the asking requires what? A transferring of ownership. How do we know that? Galatians chapter 2 and Galatians 5. Galatians 2 says what? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Give me an amen. There's a price there, is there not? There's a sacrifice, is there not? I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 5, 24. Those who belong to Christ, do you belong to Christ? Give me an amen. Watch, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Remember those desires? The desires of the flesh? Remember, we're not to pack them. They were once there. We enjoyed them. Let's just admit it. We enjoyed them. They were good. We thought. But now we have clothed ourselves with Christ. There's a difference. So there is a cost. In this, counting the cost means uh, um, um, recognizing, I should say, recognizing what? Recognizing that we have to come to agreement in the terms first. What are the terms? Well, the truth is on your journey, and you need to know this. You don't need to be foolish about this. On our journeys, on your journey, there will be things that you will have to give up. Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm not. You'll have to give up. Following Him may mean that you lose relationships. There are some relationships in people's lives that you need to get rid of. Because they only pull you down. They never lift you up. Well, I will change them. Listen to me. I hear that a lot in people's lives. You have to be real careful because people will pull you in. Your magnet has to be stronger than. So you be careful in that area. So it might cost relationships. It might cost dreams that you thought were yours. But when you give ownership to Christ, He has plans. Listen, I never planned on being a minister. I promise you that. It was never in anything that we wrote down in high school. And they said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, oh, I want to be a minister. No, I didn't. And nobody in class would ever dream that for Harley either. My dreams were what? To be a professional baseball player. When I was scouted by Cincinnati, I thought, wow, my dream's about to come true. But I got married. And I realized I had something else. God had something else for me to do. And then through that process of all those journeys that God took me on and never could find contentment working at Forbes or working for the post office or being in the military or, or building houses and, and, and just, just working, if you will and building a new home, and all of that. Could not find peace, could not find that. So my dream was given up when I'm driving this lawnmower. This, I'm mowing my lawn. I got this three acres of land, and I'm mowing this lawn or whatever, and, and I'm just bawling. I'm just drying. And, and, and it's just our new home, and we're, we're well on our way. And those rolls were just like this in that grass. And I wept because I knew that God didn't want me where I was at. There was a cost. So we were like the Beverly Hillbillies. We loaded up everything and moved to Texas. Abraham left most all of his family and his homeland. In Genesis chapter 12, in his calling, it says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, leave it. Go from your people, leave it. Go from your father's household, leave it, to the land that I will show you. And we know what happened for Abraham, and we'll talk about on our journey. What happened? He became the father of faith, praise God. You must be willing to leave where you are if you want to go on the journey with Jesus. You have to be ready. I promise you, you cannot follow Jesus without leaving something behind. You can't do it. can't be done. Let me show you why. Destinations are never arrived at without something being left behind. If you are not willing to leave your sins at the foot of the cross, you will carry them with you not only on your journey in time, but also into eternity. Think about that. However, if you are willing to leave your sin at the feet of Jesus, all blessings that God has for you and me on our journey together, all of those can be found and rewards come through those in our lives. Enjoyment comes on our journey in time. If we're willing to leave something behind. And ultimately the reward will be heaven because when we arrive we will be clothed with Jesus. God is not going to deny Jesus getting in. And when we are clothed with Jesus, he says, welcome in, my son. Welcome in. Not because of what you have done, but because you accepted what my son has done for you. And you prepared yourself by clothing yourself with none other than Jesus and his blood. Give me an amen. You are, are you, I should say, I put here. Are you and have you clothed yourself with Jesus the Christ? If you have, then you are ready for the journey. See, we haven't even left the house yet. This is three weeks in. We haven't even left the driveway yet. I am so excited about this journey that we're on or about to take. This is going to be great. And God just gave me another one before we even leave the driveway. we got to do something else. And I just wrote it down just before I came out here this morning. And I hope he develops that one because I don't have anywhere a clue what he's doing with it. But nonetheless, it's there. But if you haven't closed yourself with him, watch this and listen closely. Someone's going to hear this, and someone, I believe, is going to be moved in their spirit. Maybe not right in this room, but somebody that listens to this through the Internet or whatever form we put out there. Social media. And in that process, I believe they'll be moved because of the fact of what's been said today through God's Word. So if you have not clothed yourself with Him, you still have time. You still have time because you're in time. But remember our parable. Prepared people get in. Unprepared people miss the banquet that Christ has prepared for them. Oh, my friend, don't miss what has been prepared for you because you haven't prepared for it. Prepare to meet thy God. Are you ready? Are you ready for the journey? Somebody's saying, oh, come on, let's talk about something else. No, this is what we're on, this journey. And the great thing is, If you look down there at the bottom you see that Joshua 1.9, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen? Amen. Whatever your need is today, maybe it's a prayer request, maybe it's a uh, whatever that is, we stand ready to help you at this time. We're going to sing just a verse or so of a song just for you. And whatever your need is, you come. We'll pray with you. Whatever it is. You want to accept Christ in your life? Come. Just believe in your heart. Accept Him. Experience the new birth and be clothed with Him as well if you've never done that. Don't wait, my friend. Be prepared. Be prepared is our request and God's request as well. God bless you. Come us together we stand and sing.